This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Gets It. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? This is Hillary Fram, uh, your commissioner of public lands, and I'm from Washington State. Right on. Well, I just want to, first of all, say thanks so much for your time. I'm sure you're crazy busy. Uh, it is. Right now, we're in the midst of legislative session, so we are working really hard every day to try to get our funding, not only for wildfire prevention and forest health, but obviously also our significant asks regarding recreation. Right on. Well, that's exactly where I wanted to start with a question, if you don't mind. Um, talking about wildfires, I mean, that's a huge subject in, in basically anything, anybody that is outdoors right now. Uh, can you kind of talk about some of the stuff that you guys are, are helping with fighting those fires or, or you know, that yes. kind of thing? So, so uh, I oversee the Department of Natural Resources, which, um, amongst many things, oversees the largest wildfire fighting team in the state. And in Washington State, we have a wildfire crisis and a forest health crisis, and they're very much connected. We have seen year after year uh, increasing uh, catastrophic wildfires. Last year, we had the most wildfires ever in the history of Washington State with 1,850 wildfires burned about 440,000 acres. Wow. It cost the state over $153 million annually. And this is, our wildfires are no longer just an issue for Eastern Washington. We had 40% of our fires, wildfires last year were west of the Cascades. So it is very much not an east side, west side issue, but an entire Washington state issue. Yeah, no kidding. So, so part of the reason we are seeing more catastrophic wildfires is we have in Washington State 2.7 million acres of forest in eastern Washington alone that are dying due to disease, insect infestation, and drought. It's why you're seeing more catastrophic fires. All it takes is one spark. And because the forests are so dry and uh, so dead that they quickly would uh, spread from 100 acres to hundreds of thousands of acres. So we have developed at the Department of Natural Resources a 20-year forest health plan that would have us treating 1.25 million acres of forest over the next 20 years. It's about 70,000 acres a year that would help us get in there, get the dead, dying disease trees, that woody debris on the forest floor, get it off of there, get it to the mills, turn it into wood product, and reduce the catastrophic fires that we're seeing. We also developed a 10-year wildfire strategic plan where we brought local, state, and federal firefighting agencies together to build a 21st century wildfire strategy that would help set our state up to be more responsive with the resource and capacity to fight these fires, keep them small, get on top of them. So in the legislature this year, we're right now fighting for a dedicated funding stream that would have a dedicated funds to going to fire prevention and forest health by investing in uh, reducing our fires and reducing the forest health uh, crisis and treating those forests. We will see the significant impact in lowering the catastrophic fires. 
as I tell everybody, we're going to pay for it regardless. We've already paying $153 million a year annually. The question is we're going to pay, whether we're going to pay to react and uh, fight fires and fight smoke, or we're going to pay pay to be proactive, reduce the catastrophic fires, reduce the damage, and bend the curve on damage costs and risk to our communities. Oh, wow. That's huge. Um, well, can you talk a little bit more about that specific? Uh, it really intrigued me when you're talking about pulling the stuff off the ground and, and doing all that. What, what does that entail? Yeah. So in our 20-year um, forest health plan, we um, specifically go at a watershed level where we look at each of the forest in that watershed and we're being agnostic to property sort of jurisdictional lines. Obviously there's federal lands that make up about half of that 2.7 million acres that are uh, diseased and dying. And then the other half is state, tribal and private lands. We're agnostic to it. We go in and we specifically set forth what the type of treatment is needed for that forest based on the condition of that forest. Usually what it means is getting in there, removing the dead dying disease trees, which are like kindling for any, any fire in the woods. We also will thin those forests out so that they are more, uh, res they more reflect what has been our historical forest uh, canopy, not the clogged and very dense forest where every, every, all the trees are competing for sun and water. That enables our trees to get healthier and more resilient to fire versus being weak. Um, we then also remove uh, the lower sort of uh, limbs of the tree so we don't see the crown fires where many of the limbs are dead and dying so they quickly take spark. We take those off so that they we don't see the crown fires shooting up the trees. And then we also get in there and we'll reduce some of the, uh, the fuel load that is on that forest floor and bring in, besides doing the thinning, will then bring prescribed fire into many of these forests. Um, what we found is when we do these forest health treatments, not only getting in and removing the dead, dying disease trees, thinning those trees to so they're not so thick of dense of forest, and we bring in prescribed fire, we have literally seen with our own eyes where wildfire will come through an entire um, area and it will stop right at the edge of where a treated forest had had. Uh, where a forest had been treated um, because those forests are more resilient in the face of fire. Wow. And and just for the listeners to understand, um, are you strictly talking about DNR land? I know that's, of course, you're the commissioner. So, um, but, you know, obviously a hiking podcast, we're talking about wildernesses and other, other uh, landowners and, and such. And you're talking about just DNR, right? No, our plan, our forest health plan would is, is not just DNR lands because obviously Wildfire, forest, you know, forest disease and insect is agnostic. They don't, they don't stop at federal right. lands, right? They don't say we're just going to attack state lands. They say we, they're, they're agnostic to it. They go right through it. They don't know anything about boundaries. So we have to be doing forest health treatment on all types of lands because otherwise we won't get at the root of the problem. And especially because half of our forests that are dying are federal lands. So we have to be treating federal lands. So in 2017, when I came into this position, I signed an agreement with the federal government that enables me to do forest health treatments on federal lands. We have already done a handful of projects in one in each of our national forests. And we have now over 15 projects being laid out in our federal forest to do forest health treatment on those landscapes. The federal government pays us for that work and then the funds we generate from the sale of the wood product goes into a revolving loan 
fund that enables us to continue over time to continue to do those treatments as time goes on. Oh, that's huge. I didn't realize that you were talking about all of it. That's amazing. Um, uh, just to kind of kind of move on a little bit, um, <laughs> did you take a picture of dancing with Snow- Smokey Bear? I'm looking at your Facebook page here. It's pretty cool. I did. Well, so, <laughs> so here's what I would tell you. So 90 over 90% of our fires are caused by humans, right? So while a lot of people see these fires out there and they think, oh my gosh, I'm powerless. What can I do? Really, over 90% are caused by humans. So there are things we can do to prevent these fires, especially as we're trying to get on top of the forest health crisis. Um, And you know know this, you got to get people's attention, right? So Uh, This year, we decided that uh, Smokey Bear and me would take to the dance floor (laughs) and we would educate people on what they can do um, to prevent forest fires. Um, Really, we're trying to reach people of all ages um, on all parts of the state who are interacting in our forest to tell them what they can do to prevent these fires, because anything we can do will protect our landscape, protect our communities and protect our firefighters because it is dangerous out there. Well, I really like where you stand on this and I'm really excited to see where this goes. I'm excited about waymarkgearco.com. Go over there, check out the packs. Um, You know, seriously, you can customize any pack you want. You can also choose from a lot of packs that he already has made. There's fanny packs uh, coming in the future if they're not out there right now. There's lots of accessories you can add to these packs. My kids like the mesh water bottle packs, uh, like for that go right on your shoulder strap. There, um, there's, I don't know, these things are are basically waterproof. Um, you know, we went out on the Olympics and used our uh, one of our backpacks out there, actually two of them, and the everything in there, it, it was pouring down rain, like absolutely pouring down rain. Everything was dry in there, and I was glad too because I wasn't prepared. I didn't have any kind of a liner or anything to help that out. And these things, uh, Waymark Gear Company packs, they, uh, well, they, they held up to the test, even though it wasn't a real test. Anyway, go over to waymarkgearco.com, check it out, follow on Instagram. Thanks a lot. Now back to the show. Can you talk a little bit, uh, as, as we're switching directions here, I uh, was looking up some of the stuff that you're working on. What is Trailhead Direct? Trailhead Direct. So this is amazing. I mean, when you look right now, we're seeing that in Washington State, we have some of the most beautiful recreation lands. I mean, in every corner from the Olympics to the Cascades to the Palouse. Um, And one of the things we're seeing is more increased activities on our recreation areas um, and more people wanting to get outdoors and enjoy them, which is what we celebrate and want more of. Uh, it becomes challenging, though, as our parking lots get fuller and more uh, packed uh, to still provide and make um, those areas accessible. Uh, so, And then the other second issue we have is a lot of people don't have access to a car or they can't afford to be paying the gas to get there. We want to make sure our recreation um, areas are open to all people, no matter their backgrounds, no matter their income. Um, or their access to close proximity to natural areas and recreation land. So Trailhead Direct is a partnership with the Department of Natural Resources, King County Metro, REI, uh, and Seattle Department of Transportation and others to provide um, bus 
access in some of our more urban areas that are also areas that have lower income communities so that everybody has the ability to get outdoors and enjoy our recreation lands. I have this belief that if we do not make it easier for people to enjoy our recreation lands and enjoy our natural resource areas, then there won't be a commitment by this generation and future generations to actually care, manage, and support and increase access. Would you call this uh, Trailhead Direct, is this a, a trial or is this something that's just starting uh, from the ground floor here? So we launched it last year um, right out of the downtown Seattle area and it was had unbelievable ridership. I believe we had over 10,000 riders hmm. um, use it last year, which tells you there is definitely a demand and a need. And so this year we have now expanded it. Um, and we launched uh, this weekend in the Tukwila SeaTac area, um, which is farther south King County. So we're working to try to do everything we can to get more access points, more accessibility. This is one of those. You probably heard about our Discover Pass um, Zipcar partnership. Yes. Where some people may not have a car. They want to be able to go out on the public lands. They might um, not do it uh, consistently with the Zipcar partnership and Discover Pass with our DNR map is in each one of those cars. They can go online and reserve a Zipcar and have the Discover Pass with that. And you should check that out. We did a little car karaoke on that to make also sort of publicize and people should also play my fight song <laughs> and fun songs when they get in that okay. Zipcar. Nice. <laughs> I like that. I like your style. Um, can you talk a little bit? Uh, I know uh, kind of a, I, I guess without, I don't want to bring anything into contention up, but uh, um, I guess there's a timber timber industry and there's also a hiking and, and hunting industry. And those two kind of come to head sometimes with, with these areas. How are, how are you able to balance uh, what areas are getting cut and, 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 but still, you know, saving, um, you know, the view from, from those hikers and hunters? Yeah, so at the Department of Natural Resources, I oversee the second largest amount of recreation land in Washington State. Um, actually, uh, over 3.3 million acres of upland area. About 2 million acres of that is uh, forest land. And 1,200 miles of trail, 160 recreation sites, 80 campgrounds. We're providing recreation uh, for everything from hiking, horseback riding, mountain biking, hang gliding, rock climbing, camping, fishing, snowshoeing, cross-country skiing, riding dirt bikes, ATVs, 4 by 4 snowmobiling, right? We have something for everyone. And we have been able to increase the amount of recreation areas in Washington State because of the lands we manage. Um, being available. So we manage of our 3 million acre, 3.3 million acres of land, we manage that on behalf of our schools uh, and our county. So we generate $325 million from that land, some of it timber, some of it agriculture, some of it solar and wind. That funds, $125 million, that funds your school construction, K through 12, university, technical, community college, the other 200 million funds counties, everything from basic health and human services, public safety, fire, uh, transportation. And if we, uh, our only ability to provide recreation land access on that is because we believe that managing our timberlands, you can also have a multiple benefit use for recreation, that they are compatible. 
And, but our number one responsibility in those lands right now is our fiduciary responsibility to the schools and counties because we have a legal fiduciary responsibility to that. And so what we're trying to do is make sure that hikers and mountain bikers and others recognize that um, in these timber, these forest lands, that is only accessible for recreation because the beneficiaries um, that truly own that land have said, we believe that they're compatible, but they have to work together. They can't work against each other. Yeah, that's good. Well, that's important. And I wish more people knew that. And I'm glad that you said that. And I hope they're listening. <laughs> well, and I would say, I think it's important for people to realize every, there's not one person in the entire state or maybe in the entire planet that does not uh, touch a wood product at some point in their day, mm. right? Yeah. You look around us, the homes we live in that shelter us, the office spaces that we do work at, um, we are surrounded by wood and the paper we use, every part of our facet of our life um, is touched by wood product. And frankly, the most sustainable thing we can do is grow the wood park product right here in our state, sustainable for the environment and also sustainable for jobs and economic opportunity. Because if we're shipping that wood product in from other states, it's going to have an impact on our environment and our footprint. If we're not protecting it, working forest lands, then they're susceptible for conversion, conversion to subdivisions and shopping malls, which is not an environmental sustainable, as environmentally sustainable as our own working forest lands. Right. Uh, we'll move on a little bit more here. Uh, the, the Baker to Bellingham non-motorized recreation plan. Um, I'm very excited about this, and I just kind of want to know uh, what, what's kind of the background on that, uh, if you could speak on that. So I love this project. I very much love this project because part historically the way we've done recreation planning is we look at one particular area and we lay out a recreation plan for it, whether it's mountain bike, hiking, ATV, ORV. We lay out the specific, but we have not done until Baker to Bellingham this idea of actually linking landscapes together so that you can take people from the urban area right into the suburban to the rural to the natural area and baker to bellingham creates this new approach that we're bringing a very um, integrated recreation planning across the landscape within a community and my hope is as we do this i would love the next step which is that we're truly doing that at a statewide level where we're looking at how do we connect the entire state recreation wise from the eastern border to the western border, the north to the south. Um, and one of the things I talked to earlier about is my ability that, uh, to do contracts on federal lands, right? I, it's called the Good Neighbor Authority that it lets us do forest health treatments. We also have the ability to do recreation projects on federal lands. Much of our land is very adjacent to that to our federal lands. So this Baker to Bellingham is a smaller version of what I'm hoping is a larger opportunity of connecting our entire state uh, and our landscapes for recreation and public access. Sixmoondesigns.com. They've got uh, a lot of backpacks to choose from. Some fanny packs and stuff, uh, even some some harness vests. Uh, go over and check those out. Also, um, I'm excited about the tents, the shelters, uh, the tents and the tarps, and uh, there's just there's a lot to choose from. Uh, one of the ones uh, they've got some good videos on there, and I was I was actually just I bought the uh, Lunar Solo, and I was checking out the Lunar Duo, 
And man, this this looks like a cool tent as well. It does take two trekking poles rather than the one trekking pole for the other. Um, but anyway, yeah, just go check out their tents, surf around the website. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was a seam ceiling. Yeah, they do take that. Let me tell you, you got to set this tent up anyway in your yard or, or, you know, right when you get it to kind of check it out. So why not seam seal it while you're sitting there and you can play around with it while it's drying and it actually dries real quick. And anyway, seam ceiling is not a big deal. So go over to sixmoondesigns.com and follow them on Instagram too. Tell them the Cascade Hiker Podcast sent you. Um, I reached out to guidebook author Craig Romano. Anyway, he, uh, yeah, you know, just somebody that uh, that kind of kind of knows some stuff about DNR and, and public lands and such. And uh, I think he's got eighteen books anyway, um, written for Washington alone. Um, he he wanted to know: um, Are there any DNR properties that uh, I don't know have been under underrepresented for trails? In in I, he was thinking more like Wakayakum County, like maybe plans to bring people there for uh you know uh, to stimulate the economy um yeah yeah you get looking so, at any places like that yeah so actually there's two things that i want to share with you so the first thing um when i in 2017 when i um stepped into this position i launched the rural economic development initiative which specifically says that we believe at the Department of Natural Resources, since we generate $325 million for the state that funds our schools and our counties, that we could actually generate more revenue if we were intentional in, uh, about it and really working with local governments, chamber of commerce, economic development councils and communities to help grow and stimulate their economy as well. And largely because when we have infrastructure investments that come into a community, whether it's a great processing facility, a mill, or another type of investment, we generate more revenue off our lands as a result of that infrastructure investment, and the community gets a larger local economic stimulus also, whether it's jobs and revenue and the ripple effect that has for the stability of that community and the overall health. So when we launched that in mid-2017, and we basically went out to the community and said, you know what your greatest challenges are? You know what your greatest opportunities? What we bring to this is land. We bring economists. And we bring also the ability to partner together and get access to funding, whether it's at the state or federal level. And within six months, we got 88 projects from all over the state, every corner of the state. Uh, we now, to this date, already have over 150. Many of those projects, there's a lot of them that are actually recreation projects, like dive parks, um, expansion of like scuba diving parks in Port Angeles, trails uh, for mountain biking to expand and increase a mountain bike. Uh, we have one to build an entire rock climbing facility on a massive rock uh, near North Bend. Um, so there was a really significant focus on recreation in communities across the state. And so we have been partnering with those communities to begin to expand that uh, that recreation opportunity. And part of our request to the legislature, this budget, is a reflection of what we heard from those communities and the desires for increasing investment to grow their local rural economy and to expand recreation to every corner of the state. I like that a lot. That's that's great. Um, and really, honestly, I was surprised that I didn't even think about it from the other angle when you talked about bringing a mill into a community, how much that can benefit the community as well. I mean, obviously, this is an obvious answer, but uh, that's encouraging as well. 
so it's been really great. And last year we got four million from the legislature um, on four key projects. Um, and then some of these projects, uh, we don't even need funding from the legislature. And then we see how the heightened value of it and importance, and then we bring it in and roll it into our own existing work, especially recreation, where sometimes that just means we need to get a lease or we need to get a permit or we need to get the investment or revenue coming in to build that trail. Yeah, and speaking of uh, all these projects and trails that you're speaking of and, and different things, um, is there any opportunity for the public to help out? Is there a volunteer opportunity at all? There's a lot of uh, opportunity. I'm trying to think of specifically on our website, we offer www.dnr.wa.gov slash volunteer. You can see those opportunities. We leverage the volunteers we have in our communities to help come out, build trails, improve trails, maintenance and operations. We obviously also partner with some very um, key nonprofit organizations. One of my favorite is Evergreen Bicycle and Washington Trails Association. Um, because oftentimes they, what we do is they will, we do a grant for, so for example, Evergreen Bike Alliance will go and say, look, we have this area. We have an increased interest in mountain bike and use of mountain bag trails. They will um, get grant funding for part and it leverages all of their expertise in um, mountain bike planning for trails and actual construction and implementation. Um, so you get sort of double the money um, for it. So not only is there opportunities to volunteer with our agency, but there's also with uh, nonprofit organizations that are very much partners of ours for being able to expand these recreation areas. Uh, yeah, that's a good opportunity for people. Um, I encourage people to go look at that. I, I always try to support uh, any kind of volunteer work, especially when it's going to a good cause like that. Um, what, uh, what about you? What, what do you like to do? you recreate in, in DNR uh, public lands? I do. I mean, so obviously hiking, my schedule gets a really crazy and it's been a lot, uh, a lot less available. So hiking is the easiest one for me because all you got to do is put on a pair of shoes, right? <laughs> um, and walk out the door. So usually I travel all over state and oftentimes whenever I get a chance, um, I'll try to actually go to one of our hiking trails and actually what we're going to be doing, get ready for this. We are actually building um, and about to launch a whole, I'm, I have three boys and I raised them on a farm and they're all teenagers now. And I got to tell you, it's getting harder and harder to get them outdoors, <laughs> um, as you can imagine. And so we are working tirelessly to try to get more, you know, more sort of interest in our young people to go outside. So we're launching an entire geocache uh, opportunity where every time Hillary is out on the ground in a community, she's going to be putting out a geocache uh, in one of our state recreation areas and we'll go Facebook on it so people can see it. And my hope is that it'll actually engage more people in it. I'm also, I'm big cross country skier. So I'm actually a major skate skier. The only downside of this job is I haven't had any chance to do it. But one thing I've been hearing is about we, so we're trying to expand our cross country skiing trails. Um, so my hope is when the next winter comes, I'll actually book out at some time to actually go and do it. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it should be part of your job, right? Yeah, I think it should. Thank you. I'm going to tell them that, <laughs> that I have to go and inspect them for myself. And I wouldn't mind doing a hand gliding. I got to tell you, that is one thing that I have not done that would very, very much interest me. 
Wow, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Well, what, what, what is there anything else that you uh, that you just kind of want to get out there that I didn't bring up? You know, I would just say it's really important. You know, we're right now, we got one final week here of legislative session. It has been a tough session, not only fighting for wildfire and forest health funding, but recreation. You know, I think it's important oftentimes for the public who loves these trails and uses them to raise their voice with their legislators. Um, We are fighting right now to get $3.8 million investment in outdoor recreation. Um, as well as $8.5 million to develop a, a, a true sustainable recreation across the entire state. That's that whole context of how do we start to link our landscape so we can connect north to south, east to west, um, our state in recreation trails. Um, and we also have funding in there that would actually expand the outdoor recreation jobs and the outdoor rec industry in many of our rural communities that are really struggling and legislators need to hear from our users, the people who care about um, good management of our lands and making sure we're keeping those management up and about expansion as we see more and more users out there, um, the drive and demand and need for more area for recreating. Hmm. Oh, that's good. What, uh, what about, uh, so obviously the website is dnr.wa.gov. Um, what what else? Where should we send people to find out kind of what's going on with you? But oh, my Facebook page. So if you go to the Commissioner of Public Lands, Hillary Franz Facebook page, tell tell people to go on there. One, they can maybe I'll do some more dancing and more singing in a car, <laughs> but also they can also then watch where we're geocaching and um, some of our favorite trails and places to get outdoors. They can also get an update on wildfire and. Um, this year, because it, it it could be another bad year. And I think it's important for people to make themselves informed and aware. And then I would also say, um, obviously, the Department of Natural Resources Facebook page is also a great place to get more information and knowledge and stay up to date on recreation. Um, obviously, I got Instagram and Twitter and we try to keep on, you know, populating good content on there. And so I'd say that's a place where people can go and learn more about the state, learn more about what we're doing and watch as we launch our next thing of geocaching, too. Well, that's perfect. Well, hey, thanks so much for your time today, Hillary Franz, <laughs> Commissioner of Public Lands. Thank you so much for your interest. And thank you for also just supporting and spearheading increasing recreation and outdoors. Oh, thank you very much. All right. That's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash Cascade Hiker Podcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at N underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine and sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See her laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress. So come running when I hear that song. It could never be wrong. It could never be wrong. Where you wanna run, baby, I'll run too I would leave this world for a beautiful girl If I could just find